0: This is Marcia Epstein. And today I am sitting at my dining room table with all this recording equipment and a guest across the country, which is actually pretty typical for me. Um, So it's nice when it works in person. It's nice when it's across the country. It's always nice to get to know more about new people who are new to me and hopefully new to you sometimes, people who are doing things that to me are at that that intersection of art and mental health and social justice. I'm such a believer in how art of different kinds, dance, theater, music, written art, sculpture, you know, visual arts of painting and drawing and photography, all these different arts, How how amazing they are at sometimes bringing together people that didn't know they belonged somewhere, helping people think about things that maybe they didn't think about in that way, kind of opening their brains because they're hearing something, seeing something in more of a storytelling way than a whole bunch of data. Um, it's it's fun sometimes, you know. Music in, is one of those things um, that that is part of healing so many rituals and different cultures that include movement and music. The, you know, the, there's so much about art that I love. And so I was surprised a few weeks ago when I was looking at yet another conference, continuing education, um, informational kind of thing that would be happening. That in I'm here in Kansas, and this is the Kansas Governor's Public Health Conference, an annual conference. I believe that public health is very important, and I believe that the state involvement in public health is very important. So that, you know, like that's, that's a good thing that it's happening. But as I was looking at who they promoted as featured presenters, I was delighted to see a picture of somebody with a guitar. <laughs> and... And as somebody who's lived in Kansas for a long time and worked in nonprofit and in mental health for seriously all of my adult life, started volunteering at something in high school and then volunteered and and became director of the 24-hour counseling center in my area and have always worked in that, that mental health part of the public health realm. I was delighted that there might be something fun happening at this conference and so I reached out to this person and he said I'd be delighted to do a podcast with you and so I'm super excited and I want to introduce to my listeners Monty Selby. Welcome Monty.
1: Thanks Marcia it's good good to be together. I started to say good to be here but actually I'm I'm not there. <laughs> So I am saying good morning from Maine,
0: yes. and
1: uh, on a sunny day, I'm happy to say.
0: Yeah, it's spring. It's it's March twenty seventh. It is gray here, but that's part of what happens to in in the weather here. I I haven't paid attention to Maine in particular. I I know that the parts of the Northeast had some serious snows recently. What's What's it like where you are?
1: Yeah, we've. Uh, We went through three what they call nor'easters up here. They were hitting like one week apart, but the fourth one missed us last week, which was good because I was on the road traveling and uh, doing doing my thing. And got back and there's I can look out the windows, plenty of snow, but it's but it's sunshiny, like 40 degrees, and it's it's nice. It's actually really nice out. So.
0: I have dear friends who we went to high school together in the Kansas city area. They went separate ways. We all went separate ways for college. They landed in Chicago and then in San Francisco, and now they're in Kennebunkport, Maine. And so I, I get little glimpses periodically from them about what their part of Maine is like. And it's beautiful. And it's, yeah. you know, it's like, wow, what an adventure anyway. It,
1: it really is. And just, but I just moved here a couple years ago, but for people that have seen, you know, on the map, Portland, Maine, uh, actually the arts are, are huge. And, and another part of that is just the whole, the food scene, but the visual arts, mm-hmm. um, it's, and the obviously music, um, and it's a tourist area, but it's, there are parts of town for tourists and there are part where it's, Um, just really a a thriving art scene, which is very cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in addition to living in Maine at this point, are there some other little tidbits that you would share with us so we get some sense of some of the things that are important about who you are?
1: Sure. Well, um, it it might be interesting for local listeners to know that I uh, actually born in Oklahoma, but in high school, we moved to Kansas. So I've spent a good part of my life in Kansas. And I was a teacher and a principal and a professor there for a while. Um, and uh, most people that know me think of the the music being part of what I do as as kind of a connection point for, you know, whether that's teaching or if I'm just out playing music or are actually from the leadership side, and and then something we'll get into with how that's related to mental health and mm-hmm. just health and well-being in general. Um, ah. The music piece has kind of always driven what I do, whatever it is that I'm doing. So it's still true. <laughs> uh
0: huh. So when did you start doing music?
1: Well. Um, I'm I'm actually from a, a family of musicians. My mom was a uh, uh, did uh, trained as a classical pianist, and she's still to this day. I mean, at 83, she's still just a very fine pianist, and um, definitely in the area where you are, uh, there would be people that know my older brother who had an influence on me too, with um, as a as a hit songwriter and as a great guitar player. And, and so, um, you know, music's just, that's always been around, but mm-hmm. I, I picked up a guitar when I was about six. And then oh, wow. when I was, um, I think a third grader, I wrote my first song and started doing talent shows, you know? And so that kind of stuff, uh, wrote songs through high school and, and then, uh, actually studied music.
0: Okay. Yeah. So you studied music and then ended up teaching, you said at the high school level too, you know, so.
1: Well, yeah, here's the crazy thing. I had a music degree and a math degree and everybody said, you'll get a math job. Uh
0: Uh-huh. And
1: I was really picturing someday doing choral, like college music. Uh Uh-huh. And I got a job as an elementary music teacher. And, uh, that, you know you end up teaching on the floor, sitting with your guitar and um and that was uh, really fortunate for me because it realized at an early age you know for for working with kids who are at an early age and early in my career, just the power of music and being creative yeah. and kids being able to express themselves um, not only singing but um You know, we would write songs. We we got to go to the recording studio and they could hear their voices. And, um, yeah, I I still have little bits of Facebook, you know, kids from 30 years ago saying, hey, you know that one song we wrote? (laughs) Can you send it to me? uh, (laughs) It's really funny. But, yeah, music sticks. It has a lot of power.
0: That is so cool, and it prompts me to say there is this international movement that's specifically related to kids who aren't boys, so so you wouldn't have been able to do it if it existed when you were in junior high or high school, but this thing called Girls Rock Camp Alliance, and, and this is a, a, an international program, and we have a... a Set of people who started this here in Lawrence, Kansas, as one example, where women and trans um, and gender nonconforming adults become mentors and teachers for a week long camp. And the kids that do it are middle school and high school aged. And they are kids who, some of them, have never picked up an instrument. Some are from, kind of like you were talking about, a musical family where you know parents are in a band and have been longer than this child has been alive and the kid has always been around music but this is a new opportunity to learn in a different way and and meet some different youth and and in one week of this day camp these these kids go from again some of them never having handled an instrument to not only playing together as a band but they write a song they perform it on the Saturday evening after the, the uh, campus ended. And they do that at, at a well-known uh, music venue in, in Lawrence. Typically it's at Liberty Hall in downtown Lawrence. One year it was at the lead center at KU. And um, between that camp ending and, and the night of the performance, during that day of the performance, they're also recording in, at the Lawrence Public Library recording studio or KGHK, the student radio um, studio. So, so they create. You know, the, these youth who have never, most of them have not known each other before, and most of them have not played an instrument before, and they are empowered to do this thing together that involves negotiation because they're they're with a band that they were assigned to so that each band has the components that are that are taught there vocal and guitar and bass and drums and now keyboard has been added you know it's amazing transformation and some of these youth from the first camp you know I'll see them or their parents and and they're so grateful so proud so this that is such a transformative experience so so the fact of you being this guitar teacher sitting on the flo- or music teacher sitting on the floor with your guitar and these kids and then helping them create music that is awesome and i'm not i'm not at all surprised that you hear back from those kids because it is huge it's so huge
1: yeah the connection power you when you were talking about those kids coming together it, reminded me um, one of my sons after completing college kind of did the old, you know, I'm going to go backpack Mm -hmm. Europe and um, and did by himself with no cell phone, you know, just go. Um, And he said, the interesting thing is whether, whether you're in Germany and then he ended up in Asia and, and, and it's actually still, he's in Bangkok at this point, but he's, He's like, you have a group of people and somebody picks up a guitar Uh and, and immediately, you know, a group starts coming together. And, uh, it's, you know, we kind of joked before about people see a guitar and maybe think, Oh no, we're going to sing campfire (laughs) songs. But the reason campfire songs come to mind is because people do do that. And, uh, and those tend to make for great memories and yeah. so
0: yeah, that's amazing. So for you it's been a natural thing because it was always part of it's how you grew up. There was always music around. I wanna ask because when I finally as an adult, after after our younger son went to college and left behind the guitar, I said, I, I need to learn. I never did this, I need to learn to play. And I found that that the size of the guitar. Um, was a somewhat of a barrier, and so I'm thinking, like as a six year old, as you started playing, did you did they have a little guitar for you, a smaller guitar for you, or did you have to tackle that big one that you had to reach your body all around to play?
1: Yeah, I. This was in Gage, Oklahoma. So when you think of a town with 300 people, guitar selection is yeah, <laughs> that's not where it starts. So yeah. you kind of. And yeah, I've seen a few pictures of me performing in third grade and, and, uh, it does, I've, I have big hands. I've always, you know, the nice thing about my mom being a pianist and she's kind of that way. So kind of have these big hands with long fingers and that probably helped me out yeah. um, because <laughs> really, I think when I was 10, my hands were as big as most adults. and. um <laughs> So makes for a goofy looking kid, but it helps you when you play guitar
0: <laughs> That's great <laughs> so so you played guitar, you teach and and you're coming to Kansas to Wichita for this conference on April third through fifth yeah what's what is this thing that that in Kansas where like I tell my friends, we don't believe in research here, so don't expect it. <laughs> Because uh, I work in suicide prevention, and there's a lot of a lot of emphasis on not only you know doing things, but let's do things that work, you know. And so, uh, you know, I'd have a, a colleague who was coming here, and like I'm really surprised they invited you, Sean, because we don't believe in research in Kansas. We don't even uh, believe in evolution.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Anyway, well, well um, an interesting thing happened that kind of gets me to a little. How do I end up at a conference like this, which is a uh-huh. common question. And yeah. so, um, you know, I wrote I wrote songs for myself, you know, just like kids do. And then when I started teaching, I mean, kids to me are just funny and and I would write songs kind of about them. And then I became a a middle school principal, which is kind of hilarious in and of itself and so things kids say or i'd write songs about you know the stereotypical principal or teachers or parents and and i you know usually those were the lead-in and uh, a lot of times funny stuff which kind of opens the door to to actually talk you know um so i'd write songs about the stereotypes and and then we could talk about the way things really were. Awesome. Um, along the way, I had some times when maybe a language arts teacher would say, would you come in and look at the kid's poetry? Mm-hmm. And and I would do that, and I'd look at something someone had written and, and just kind of put it to music on the spot, wow, which wow. is a little bit like pull a rabbit out of your hat you know, people, <laughs> people kind of go, Holy cow, how'd you do that? Yeah. And, but no one learns anything. It's really about me, you know? Yeah. And there was a point at which, um, that, that all of a sudden it was like, Hey, can you come in and write with this group of kids, mm-hmm. as in like 200 at a time? And, <laughs> and all of a sudden, it, you know, you don't when you move out of entertainment mode and into what can we learn from this? And how do I not just end up writing a song with two kids while everybody watches? Because that doesn't work. Like, how do you get it to where a 100 kids are directly involved in writing? And that? which is really like large group problem solving and everybody needs paper and pen. And the point that I figured that out was a gigantic shift that just opened up crazy doors because all of a sudden, I don't know, for example, if you have a school where the theme of the year is respect others, well, what does that even mean? and you can tell kids what it means and that's still you talking but mm-hmm. but when the kids if you're writing a song called respect everyone and and you're saying what does that even mean you know and they start writing things down and then and then somebody says you know don't be a bystander well you know then I play dumb what does that even mean give me yeah. 10 scenarios and then what's the opposite of that look like? And all of a sudden we have a thousand words and then you say with what we have is that fast or slow major or minor, is it rock and roll or hip hop or country or folk or what do you got? You know, and all of a sudden as a group, like it's like team building in its own way. But by the time the end of the day gets there, um, then not only do you have a song then that opens the door to talk about how people are like songs and how the same way that we can make a song get stuck in your head like like how do hit songwriters do what they do has a whole lot to do with how we do what we do as people and as students and as athletes and as musicians and as good friends so so my goofy you know here, let me look at your poem and whip a song out to turning that around to where, or we're actually writing, whether you think you're a musician or songwriter or not. And then what we learn from that process, how does that apply to other things? And that, that changed, that changed how things work. And so back to health, Um, a lot of that work then became me working with kids like in residential treatment. Uh So I've written several hundred songs with individual kids, but still looking at that process. What's your story? Where are you going? What could other people learn from what you've learned about yourself? Uh And then those songs, wow, those are, those are powerful. And, um, and the kids get to have that for life. They have their own song that kind of says, maybe the road ahead looks like this. Yeah. And, um, and then they, they have it. So, so when I go to a conference like this, I'm one, I get to use the stories and the songs from people around the country and what they have to say. And that can be funny and it can be insightful but it also sets me up to say, how do you write those songs, and how are songs like you mm-hmm. and what you're doing with kids and what you're doing with health and what you're doing when you try to change a community and be inclusive? How do you open those doors? And I get to drive all of that with my guitar.:
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Which gets people you know, from what you're describing, people are involved, they're engaged. And they're looking at things in different ways. They're open to, to different kinds of ideas, as opposed to somebody else who comes in and says, the uh, prevalence of this public health issue is X per hundred thousand people in the population.
1: <laughs> yeah. And well, the, the really funny thing is I have to tell you this as a, as a therapist person is that my wife is a, is a clinical social worker and she's working with very intense kids. And so sometimes when I come back and say, here's how I did what I did and, and she'll say, so you need to read this article on trauma informed care. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's what these people are doing. And I'm like, well, wow. I didn't know I was doing something sort of okay there, but
0: yeah, yeah.
1: a lot of, follow my instincts to work with people and then to find out there there actually is the research and data or good practice sometimes that says this is this is the way to help people move forward sometimes and yeah. so i'm I'm in kind of a cool spot if I'm in the middle of it and I have a spouse to bounce things off of with uh-huh. you know trying to <laughs> not do harm at least and yes. trying to, trying to make good things happen.
0: Yeah. And, and I love that, that, you know, coincidentally almost that there is research that supports what you're doing. I, I kind of, I kind of, I connected with art because I came to a point in my life where I was choosing to to engage more with the art community rather than just the nonprofit community. Uh huh, and and I kept talking to artists who would say things like, I mean, honestly, this saved my life. I was going through blah 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 blah, and you know, the fact that I kept writing, the fact that I kept painting, you know, whatever it was, and and I was realizing how much how much I was drawn to these artists in that their personal characteristics were very much like my favorite people in my world of mental health and suicide prevention, you know, people who are doing that work as well. Mm-hmm. This is very interesting. It's a different kind of communication. And it's so wonderful that that this happens. And so I started um, I, I'd host an event every year on World Suicide Prevention Day that I called Words Save I call Words Save Lives. And at this point it's uh, people uh, sharing poetry, stories, comedy, music, uh, drag performance, um, and and the idea is everybody's been, every, every one of the performers is there because of what the event is, but there's no lecture on suicide prevention. It's really about building connection and and having people have fun and, and also be moved and know they're not alone in their experiences because somebody on stage... You know, sings a song that touches on something really hard. This person has done all the stuff. Anyway, yeah. so I so I have this thing that I do, and then there was a you know a conference coming up with a call for presentations, and so I wanted to do and and had people uh, was accepted to provide this presentation that we called Words Save Lives, and I had um, a, a poet from each of the states that this conference was for. Um, who who was a po- person who had the experience of suicide thoughts, um, attempts, loss, had been touched directly by suicide. But, I, but to, to connect it to this conference, I also pulled up the research on what is it that is in common with people who die of suicide. and And two of those things are a sense of being a burden and a lack of belonging and the third is you have to have the capability to to harm your body in that way yeah burdensome feeling belief I, it's a it's a thought it's not a to me it's not a feeling it's a thought and the lack of belonging art can transcend can can crash those barriers and build this sense of i am a worthwhile person i'm a, I, this person up here on stage is saying these things that that i know too and there are these people who are enjoying this thing and people who want to talk to me and there's this you know it's like it's such a positive thing so i so i you know i assured those poets that were coming to do this that i i had that part covered you know we we could we could show that what they were doing made a difference <laughs>
1: yeah and, and
0: it, was, it, it was fun that it worked that way because it's true but that isn't why you know i didn't start from the perspective of i want to br- break down the sense of lack of belonging <laughs>
1: you know well it the thing that you're saying there is that it, you know that strikes a chord with me is that it's a little bit like uh, i i mean i call it you know for me it's like the theory of play it's there's not very many kids that, that started with the rule book on basketball. Most people just picked up a basketball and tried to shoot it. Uh-huh. And not very many people learned what a secondary dominant chord is on guitar. They just tried to figure out how to play some cold play song or something, you know, uh-huh. and, and then they through play, they got interested and then get passionate and then they want to know more. And I think, I feel like research can be a very powerful thing, but if I'm going to present or I'm working with kids or whatever it is, if you start with, here's the knowledge base you need to know, you've usually already lost people. And the beauty of the arts is that like, like with suicide prevention, we know that that sense of belonging is important. So instead of talking about it, you start with the arts and people start Developing a sense of belonging, which to me is where you open the door and, you know, play with art, play with music, play basketball. (laughs) I mean, I really do. I feel like sometimes, sometimes we get the order wrong. And in terms of, you know, you start with, you got to know your numbers. And sometimes I think the play with, how many blocks are on the table, or you know, like something that that is playful and has meaning and it can be very powerful, and yeah. and the arts are are amazing. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So you you at this point are you obviously are going to be here for this Kansas conference? Is that the the main vehicle that you are involved with at this point in terms of? bringing this, this music to learning opportunities through special presentations, like at a conference?
1: Oh, great question. Um, What, what I do, (laughs) like my job, if you want to call it that is it varies so much. So there's times I'm asked to speak at a conference and then do breakout sessions. And, Sometimes I'm asked to write a song with people at the start of the conference, and that song becomes part of like a closing keynote or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. conferences, but it's definitely about you know bringing something to people that they can use that's hopefully motivating and practical. Mm -hmm. That there's times that I'm asked to go to a group, whether it's a corporate thing, uh, like a specific corporate group, or or it's a middle school, or it's an elementary, or a high school, and and then we're really talking about you know specific training type work, and and I enjoy that. Um, but I'd say half of the time, what I'm doing is working directly with kids. I'm mm-hmm. either doing like a school assembly with a message that's driven by music, but but the really cool stuff is when I get to be in the artist residency mode. And, and that's, that's when instead of bringing a message, we are creating the message. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the one where if you want kids to be talking about it two years later, then, then you do that. It just takes more time and it costs more. And, you know, that's, that's harder to just for people to even see the power of that. But but that's the stuff where kids are looking me up years later and mm-hmm. asking me questions. So, so I have have my own little research thing that says when people create things together, there is a very lasting connection, and yeah. which is a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you saying a little bit more about the artist in residency, and and you mentioned kids. So, what does that look like? What how how would people find out something you were doing um, in an area they were in so that their youth could be involved?
1: Oh, well, um, for just in terms of just people trying to contact me, I'm uh, because of my name being the only Monty Selby out there. It's like, they're going to find my website and they can contact me and, you know, you grow up like why can't I have a more typical name? <laughs> 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 and and my brothers are Mark and Matt. You know, I'm like, why didn't I get a four letter name? But but then later on, when people try to try to locate you, you're like, well, it's good I have an oddball name because I'm the only one to chase down. But there's that a lot of people look me up on. You know, they'll find songs I've done with kids on YouTube and they'll look at the video. Mm-hmm. And from there, there's everything from we're writing about a science unit in second grade or uh, one of my last Kansas trips was to Chinute, And the kids ended up writing about a, a movie they saw called Wonder, which is really kind of a yeah. about bullying. And the song ends up being called I'm Different. And and it's, so for instance, if somebody wanted to look at that, if they went to YouTube and searched Monty, Selby, I'm different, that video pops up and that'll lead to more of them. And sometimes those, I was at a school in North Dakota where kids were telling me what I didn't know about their town and it turns out their site was the last Native American buffalo hunt. And as we started looking at that, it leads into you never know if what you're doing today becomes an important part of history. And and so it had a great theme. Um, I was at a school in Virginia one time where kids uh, were telling me about, this is ironic, the Native American tribe that lived right where their school was and how this, there was a tree that had a name and they told me the translation was comforting place so under the tree there's no fighting or talking of war or you know gossip any of that it's it's a place where people come together and so we made it a modern day comforting place song and i've i've performed that all over the world for the last 10 years and and people always want to know how i wrote the song and when i say it was with fifth graders
0: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. they're they're kind of shocked but I I don't know. That's to me, that's as like as good as it gets. And even though, you know, I wrote a song with high school girls in a a treatment situation one time and and they were talking about how do people get better? These are high school girls and and the song ends up being called and this one's on YouTube, too. But it's um, it's called Try to Get Better. And as they were sorting it out, they, they said, you know, you can try to get better for your mom or because, you know, you're supposed to do it for your little sister. Or you're supposed to do it for religious reasons or you're supposed to do it for this. But ultimately, when you reach that point that, you know, you need to get better for yourself, then there's power in that. And so that was the song we wrote and they ended up singing on it with me. and. I mean, it's it's good. It's a good song, but the power of of what they had to teach yeah. me about the situation they were in yeah. of trying to get better, whether it's substance abuse or things with their family or other mental health issues, um, trauma that they've had. Like, yeah. yeah, that's just, to me, that's amazing. I, I get to learn something every time I go to work. So,
0: yeah,
1: can't complain about that.
0: At at this point, have you been able to do that kind of work with people in corrections? You know, whether it's youth detention centers or adult jails or prisons.
1: Um, some of the situations where I'm at are lockup type facilities, but they're usually not prison. Usually, the kids have come. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of songs with the word juvie in it, you know. It's like don't go to juvie kind of thing. Um, but it's that's usually not where people have me okay. going, which is interesting. But it's um, one I I just don't think I've ever had a connection with an adult who said this might be good for the kids here, but but typically yeah i'm usually i usually come into the picture at the point that where treatment is going on as opposed to um or locking you up for now
0: so mm-hmm. the reason I asked about that is because i think well i I know people um who are writers poets in particular who Do go and do that work in corrections, similar to what you're talking about, because it it provides that opportunity for creation and expression in a really safe and healthy way. And and I will always remember one one example of being so touched by how much impact that had because I was uh, with a, a poet friend in downtown Lawrence and we were, kind of preparing for uh, part of a, an event called the Lawrence Busker Festival. And we had a designated place as Poetry Alley. And Sue and I were talking and, and uh, she had a sign that said free poetry. And she had a harmonica to bring attention uh, as well. And and this guy with a backpack, you know, comes up next to us. We were sitting on this bench and he comes up and, and he wants to talk. And, and I'm, I'm guess, guessing by the amount but the size of the backpack, the, that my guess is, I'm thinking this guy is carrying. This is this is his home. He's he's at this moment experiencing homelessness, and whatever he's got left of of his belongings are right there with him. And sure enough, um, he that is true. And he's talking to us, and he's telling us he just got out of jail, and there's something that he wants to share with us. And I'm thinking, this this person who you know has gone through all his hardship wants to share something with us. This is really interesting. And so he rifles through his his backpack and he pulls out this handful of papers, which is a printed selection of poetry that he and other inmates had created. And so he shared some of his own poetry, but also it was clear, he didn't have to say, this really changed my life. He was so proud of being able to share and, and what he'd been able to write and so inspired in a way that it created hope that clearly for him, was going to help him get through the hardship that he was confronted with right then of released the, yeah. from the county jail on a weekend afternoon where most agencies other than things like the shelter are closed I mean it was it was amazing the power that this had and and I will say also we got to invite him to be part of poetry alley on that weekend he he wasn't comfortable being his own reader of his poetry, but he did let somebody else read some of his
1: poems from the mic. Wow, very cool. So
0: cool, yeah, it was so cool. So the, <laughs> the ways that we give people voice, you know, that encourage them in ways that they haven't been—that's that's a huge thing. So, the gift that's, that you bring to those kids and adults—it's wonderful.
1: Well, I it's as you were talking about that, I was just thinking about uh, yesterday. I so I. Usually if I'm in a town doing an artist in residency, I'll I'll ask if there are things I can do in the evening, either arts council or like a, a nursing home or assisted living. And yesterday I was in an assisted living center that like once a month I go and and we sing and you have people that don't, you know, don't look up and they're in a wheelchair. And mm-hmm. um, you start something like you are my sunshine and their lips start moving and yeah. you know, well now at this one, I'm at the point that I come in and it's like, um, or usually it's before I go next time you need to learn a Charlie pride song. or
0: <laughs> All right. You know,
1: so we go through everything you'd expect from Johnny cash to the Beatles to uh-huh. she'll be coming around the mountain. And, yeah. and now it's, it's getting more like there is this certain Eric Clapton song you've got to learn. And it's a, wow. uh, so I try to take it back. But then when you come back and say, who asked for that Clapton song last week? Uh-huh. And then the whole, you know, the energy goes up. And again, it's just, it. the arts become an amazing yeah. connection point. And yeah. it's it, at any age.
0: Yeah. Well, and there's also that, that's another one. And uh, I don't know whether you and your wife have been pointed to that kind of research too, about how the experience of music Um, can reconnect us to other times in our life. And even people with memory disorders are, are, are like recharged in a way that they experience more of who they really are and are more communicative and maybe even up and dancing to this music. That's from another time in their life. And it's like, it awakens the person in that, in that way that, that other kinds of communication doesn't, but music is very powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So how cool that you discovered that, you know, that that somehow, you know, as opposed to being a person whose music career became this performance musician in front of people, um, you're this this interactive person leading people to experiences that improve their lives.
1: Well, that's the intent at least. (laughs) And it's, it's, Oh, I got it. Well, this, this will crack you up. Um, I used to always come back and, you know, I would record the song like, so let's say I'm with working with kids or adults when I can, if I can get the song to the point that I can start a track and I have my digital mic with me and, whether it's snaps or them singing an echo or it's a singable chorus kind of thing, I'll catch them. And then I come home and I, I do a studio version and then, you know, they're part of the final recording. And, and it used to be, if there were multiple songs, you'd send a CD back. And so like about a year and a half ago, a teacher was telling the kids when he's all done, he'll send, he'll send us a CD and we'll make you guys a copy. And a kid raised their hand and said, What's a CD?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and it kind of stopped us all. And it was like, the first thing is, it's, you know, when your parents put that disc thing in the car, <laughs> that didn't clarify anything. And right. then one of the teachers said, You know, we don't have very many computers that will even accept a CD anymore. Right. And, uh, and that's the point when I said, So what if I put your song on YouTube? And the response yeah. was, so you're saying we're going to be famous. <laughs> like, You bet. We'll, we'll put them up on YouTube. So, so that's kind of, it's opened a whole new door for kids yeah. or adults, you know, to have access to their song instead of yeah. like, where did I put it? It's just, you know, they put my name in and they put their name in or their school yeah. or the name of the song and, they can get it anywhere, and that's yeah. that's just very cool.
0: Yeah, yes, technology changes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. <laughs> well, so I do have to say i'm I'm looking forward to the Wichita conference, and if if anybody that listens to this is going, um, definitely music will be part of it and and obviously the the whole. Health and well-being is is the focus of the conference, and that's what we'll connect it to. But yeah, but more stories and more songs, and how how it makes a difference in our lives.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued that when you follow the governor, <laughs> um, and oh, and it, uh, <laughs> now but,
1: there's there's a song that needs to be written. Or, possibly a movie that goes with it
0: and and that you do you are listed at 8 30 to 9 45 in the morning that is folks so so uh be be prepared to do something wonderful in that morning
1: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that's true
0: and i and i love that your that the title of your presentation is creating a best day ever i i think i'm i'm such a believer that that some people haven't learned to take off their blinders. And in that, that limited vision they have, they miss these wonderful things. And so that to me, a big part of creating a best day ever is, is being aware of what's really going on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and with that, one of the, one of the things I mess with that I, it's like a lesson I just keep learning. Um, I think one of the most clarifying things about you know knowing what a best day looks like came from coaching little kids Uh and and when you say okay we're going to a zone and a kid's like what's a zone Uh well so if you don't know what it looks like how do you play it Uh and and i think i always talk about kids because it's easier to get images of that but if a kid shows up at school and, and you say everybody line up and you've never done a lineup. If you don't know what it looks like, you, you can't do it until you mm-hmm. get that picture. Mm-hmm. And to me that just, it never changes. It's, so here's one coming, coming for me. Um. So Michelle and I have five kids. The youngest is a junior in high school. So you know, in a year and a half, we don't have any kids at home unless somebody moves back, which isn't the goal. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, if there will be points where we will be talking about what is, what does the best look like? You know, uh-huh. like if you don't have kids at home, which, you know, you think about, making sure things are, you know, everybody gets rest, they get their nutrition, that they can get to things they need to get to. And you do all those things and suddenly that's not there. So Mm -hmm. my point being, I think at any point in our lives, it's worthy of saying, what would my best day look like? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know what it looks like, how are you going to get there? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, and that can relate professionally or, you know, just for ourselves physically or emotionally. And, and I, I think it's a topic worth revisiting and, and and we can do it in a fun way.
0: Yeah, I think it's so important. And and it it resonates to me with a conversation recently, um, that was actually in our suicide bereavement group. And this person was talking about her, her partner had died of suicide, um, a little over three years ago, she's in a relationship right now, and she was saying that that she she felt bad because she wasn't the best version of herself um, in terms of with this this current partner. And I looked at her, and I mean, I let her say what she needed to say, but I looked at her and I said, "You know, I, I've only known you since your boyfriend died. But I have seen you in these three years and you are absolutely the best version of yourself today that you have ever been. And every day I see you as an even better version. And I meant that very sincerely because of the work that she was doing for herself, some changes that she was making to be healthier and, and deal with this grief. And it was, and it was something that she hadn't noticed in herself, you know, and it was like, wow, sometimes, you know, it kind of gets back to me in a way with, with the, the conversation that you mentioned with the, the teenage high school girls, you know, and, you know, can you, can you, can you be better for somebody else? But when you be better for yourself, is that the best, you know, sometimes, sometimes people don't see, and sometimes they kind of do need that reflection from somebody else to make those next steps.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, Marcia, I call that the Oz syndrome Uh because you know, when you stop and think about in The Wizard of Oz and uh, what each of the characters are looking for and, you know, the Tin Man looking for a heart. And uh, and you go through the whole movie and he's he's all worried about that and, of course, the line about having courage. And you get to the end and and really what the Wizard gives him is just a reflection and, and in essence, basically says to the Tin Man he's he's really saying dude you're like the nicest guy in the whole movie (laughs) you you didn't need a heart you just you know you just didn't see it in yourself and so I kind of feel like on my on my best days when I'm writing I'm really holding up the mirror for whatever that group is or that individual in front of me of at your best you know like that's what I'm seeing, and do you see this in yourself, and why not put a glimpse of your best self into this song and yeah. uh sometimes i I mean really not just sometimes it's pretty common just just exactly what you said we we uh we can identify our our weaknesses easier than we can yeah. identify and and feel our strengths and um sometimes that's where another person can make a big difference for us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want, you know, listeners to think about, so we're having this conversation and this is Monty Selby, whose tool is a guitar, right? And that, that is one of the things that you're using to connect with people and help them bring about these visions, these expressions. And, and so many times doing that as a group. So they also create that sense of connection with other people. Somebody else just thinks, so that's just some guitar, you know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Pretty
0: powerful. Just saying.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe bringing all this together a little bit as, as we're, you know, talking about the arts and bringing people together and that it can be healing and that kind of stuff. Um, Just as a, You never know what you're doing today, that impact, which is kind of a familiar story. But um, a lot of times kids want to know about um, the Grammy thing. They said, we heard the word Grammy. And like, how did you get that? And like, well, I was just writing songs for the moment, you know, and in that particular case, that song started as a song for kindergarten kids. Uh, to practice consonants not even kidding and what it turned into is this thing about you know give it a try and the song makes it difficult you know and it goes faster but then it has this thing about check your attitude and well that became part of another thing and that became part of another thing that was an album out of new york that ended up being you know the grammy winning children's album of that year and it just started from some little thing you're doing that day and you just don't know and to me that's how it is when we're connecting with other people and we're you know trying to make good things happen and and the arts tend to do that and and when you do anything with the arts whether you're whether it's painting or whether you're singing with a group and it may be just the sitting around the campfire for fun, but you just don't know the impact and where that's going to lead. And so, so yeah, at the crossroads of mental health and the arts, I, I think that's a magic spot and uh, it's, it's both, both parts are worth pursuing, but the arts is a good place to start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And one of the songs that that you talked about with these kids, related to this this special place, this this respect for the native population who had been there, whose place this had been, you know, that that kind of thing to me is one of those really powerful examples of people have this opportunity to experience, in this case, your, this song. And and get a reminder that maybe they didn't really want to think about so much that this place and lots of places were the homes of Native people long ago and that land was taken away from them. And we can still learn about that and value what the the earlier use and ownership of, you know, not ownership isn't the right word, but but the, the community that was there before. And, and I think about it even in terms of there is this national organization that's not, it's a, it's a voluntary movement that's called the U.S. Department of Arts and Culture. And it's really about arts and social justice and arts and belonging and and valuing culture and decisions and communities. And one of the, the projects of the US Department of Arts and Culture is specifically around getting people to value the native cultures and the, and the um, places that people experience that they didn't pay attention to previously as having significance in, in native cultures at different times, you know? And, and so I'm saying that because people go, I don't, I'm not going to go learn about all this stuff, but maybe they hear that song and maybe it makes them think more about who, who, who has been here.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: And that's a good thing for us.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting. You said that I forgot about the department of arts and culture, but I was just talking with some people about one of, of capturing culture and this is actually at a place yes. in Kansas that I'm following up on but of trying to write songs with like there's one lady I know who's 102 and I'm like yeah like you know what would it take for me to be able to get half a day to hang out with her to hear her stories and to capture those in song yeah. as as like this living history yeah, peace, and somebody that has a different perspective than than other people can and and i don't think we want to lose that right. so yeah. yeah interesting stuff
0: very cool stuff that you're doing and i i have to thank the organizers of this kansas public health conference for bringing you here because that's how i learned about you was when i saw that announcement
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Marsha. I appreciated you reaching out. It's been fun to do this and maybe, maybe we'll do another one down the road.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. So listeners, I want you to know, again, this is Monty Selby and obviously Monty, from what you're saying, you're doing projects all over. So somebody hears this and thinks, gosh, there is something going on in my community and this could be a way of creating some, some, dialogue some enthusiasm some learning some connecting that we really need you know people people can find you through your your website if they are people who can go to the governor's public health conference coming up in wichita that's so soon it's i guess it's next week is that right what's the date that we're gonna get to april 1st on what date yeah it's coming right up anyway it
1: is it's the (laughs) fourth april 4th i think That would, I think it's a week from tomorrow.
0: (laughs) Oh my, oh my April. So, so people, you know, I hope you have enjoyed this as much as I have, because I love learning about new ways of doing things and people who are doing cool things. So again, thank you, Monty Selby.
1: You bet best, best wishes to all the listeners. And thanks again, Marcia.
0: You are welcome. And thanks to Daniel Smith for producing the show. And thank you listeners for listening and spreading the word so long.